Come on now, come on. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We will be a church that rejoices every day that we get to enjoy life, that we are blessed. We will rejoice. We will give God praise. His praise shall continually be in our mouths. I am finishing up the last of a series on discovering your dreams. And I think this is probably one of the most important messages of the series. Before I go into this, I want to talk to you and give you a little story that uh, was taken from Steve Farrar's book uh, titled, Going the Distance for Your Family. And he talks about in 1945, three pastors, three ministers, evangelists came onto the scene back in 1945. Billy Graham, Braun Clifford, and Chuck Templeton. And all three of these young men were dynamic speakers. They were filling auditoriums. People were waiting in hours to hear these young men speak. In fact, with uh, uh, Billy Graham and, and Chuck Templeton became uh, close friends because they were both preaching uh, for Youth for Christ, the organization. An article was written about Chuck Templeton saying that he was one of the best speakers of our century, that he would go on to be great in all that he says and, and was doing. The article never even mentioned Billy Graham. Ron Clifford was tall, dashing, good-looking. Hollywood was trying to get him to, to uh, take the role of a movie called The Robe. In fact, when, when he was speaking at Baylor, Baylor had all bells for classes turned down so that for two and a half hours, the students at Baylor could hear his dissertation. They were so impressed with these three young men. Unfortunately, though, in 1954, Bron Clifford lost his family through alcoholism, abuse of funds, left his wife and his two children that were of Down syndrome, and actually died in a hotel outside of Amarillo. Poor, broke, was buried in a pauper cemetery. Chuck Templeton left the ministry, denounced Christ, went into show business. Billy Graham, of course, went on to be one of the greatest evangelists that we know of, was counselor to seven presidents. And what was really amazing about this story is that out of those three men, two of them sprinted, but only one finished. Only one finished, even though great accolades were written about all three of the men. Your success in following your dreams, your purpose in life is not going to be judged on how you start, but how you finish. And this morning I want to finish up on this series. In fact, if this even had a title, it would be called Finishing Strong. But let's first review what we've gone through over the last few weeks if you missed any of the messages. We first learned that we are God's workmanship. We are created. We are created for a purpose. We're created for a reason. God just did not want another beautiful smiling face on this earth. Although every one of you would uh, have that. But he has a reason and a purpose for our being. Even when he formed us in the womb, he knew about us. We are probably his beautiful creation. We've looked at things that can hold us back from our destiny and our dreams. 
We talked about fear. Fear is putting hope in a situation through your strength. But faith is putting your eyes in that situation through God's strength. Amen. And I want to look at every situation through God's strength and not my own strength. Amen. I know my weaknesses. But I also know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. Amen. We looked at how failure can wipe people off. They'll, they'll stop trying. How Macy, Mr. Macy, had seven failed retail experiments before hitting the success of Macy's. We also talked about being just satisfied. How there are times where Satan will just create a, a comfortable environment for you so that you have no need to reach out for God. You're content. You're fed. You're clothed. You're just happy going through life taking care of your own needs. We also talked about the concept of giving. Casting our bread upon the water. Investing in other people. Knowing that we can't control where that bread is going, but it goes and it feeds hungry people. And how Christ has always been represented as the bread of life. Last week we talked about the poor widow who had the collectors coming to her house to, to take her sons away as, as um, slaves to, to pay off the debt because of her husband's debt that had just passed away. But God's faithfulness and how He provided that little bit of oil and He filled all those empty jars. And we need to understand from that message that everything that that woman thought was nothing became everything. Sometimes what we think is nothing will become everything in the hands of God. Last week, that whole message was that your dreams are going to start with what you already have right now. Many times we feel that if we're going to be productive for God, if we're going to ever fulfill the role that God has, that new things have to come in and new resources, and we have to get huge amounts of money or, or more talent or more classes. And God will always work with what's with you right now. When Moses went before Pharaoh, and he, well, he was being told to go before Pharaoh, and God said, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. And look how Moses used a very common, ordinary instrument in his, all the miracles that God performed. Things that we overlook in ourselves, things that are inside of us that we don't think are important, are huge to God. If we'll offer ourselves to God, if we'll truly come to Him and say, God, everything that I am, every cell and every fiber of my life is yours, God, to use for your kingdom, and I lay my life down before you. Man, what a powerful prayer we can pray. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of Ecclesiastes 7 looking at verses 8 through 10. Part of this passage is fairly familiar to you. But verse 8 starts off with this out of Ecclesiastes 7. It says, The end of something is better than its beginning. It is better to be patient than arrogant. Can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Don't be quick to get angry, because anger is typical of fools. Right. You notice I'm not making any eye contact during this message. Okay, so... so <laughs> He looked at me when he talked about fools. I know he did. Don't ask, why were things better in the old days than they are now? It isn't wisdom that leads you to ask this. You know, if you talk, walk up to anybody who's just seen a movie, and they're talking about that movie, chances are they're going to be talking about the ending of that movie. 
right? How often do you get together and say, did you see that movie? Yes, I did. What did you think about the beginning? It's not really the beginning of the movie that we like to talk about. It's the ending, right? Finishing something. The ending is more important than the beginning. For example, if you go for a job and they say, well, tell us about yourself. You say, well, I've started 13 universities. Well, how many have you finished? None of them, but I've started at 13 universities all throughout the United States. Probably not the impression that we're looking for as an employer. A soldier going off to duty, serving his, his tour of duty. But look at the rejoicing that comes when he comes back and he's completed that tour. He served his country. He came back safely. The celebration that's taken place. This text that Solomon wrote to us today is talking about ending. Is, the ending is better than the beginning. This may be difficult for some people because some of us haven't experienced many good endings in our lives. We look at a lot of our lives as failures. A lot of major accomplishments that in other lives were successful weren't for us. So when we talk about ending, it gets us a little discouraged. We all can come up with reasons that will affect our dream that God wants for us. And if we're not careful, we won't finish what we started. If you take, for example, it's great that some have decided to lose weight. But until you actually lose the weight, there's no benefit to your body. Right? I mean, just talking about dieting isn't dieting. And some of us talk about our dreams, but we don't actually do our dreams. We don't fulfill our dreams. So there's no benefit to not only our body, but the body of Christ, because we didn't fulfill the role. Galatians 6.9 tells us, We can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Certainly, each of us will receive everlasting life at the proper time. But most importantly, if we don't give up. If we don't give up. The Christian journey can be wearisome sometimes. We feel that once we give our lives to Christ, that everything should just go smoothly. That everyone's going to love us. That everyone will want to talk to us. Everyone will want to hear our message. That doesn't necessarily happen sometimes. But Paul is warning us in that message to not give up. Because if we give up, we, we give up the harvest that we would have reaped. So this morning, I wanted to look at some of the reasons. Some of the reasons why we get distracted or we don't complete the dreams that God's placed in our heart. Number one, we don't know where the finish line is. <laughs> so Pastor Mark, what does that mean? We don't know where the finish line is. You see, there's times where Satan will bring confusion into your life. Satan is the author of confusion. If you're experiencing confusion, you're under a spiritual attack. God brings unity into a situation, not confusion. Take, for example, marriage. See, a lot of us think that marriage is that finish line. That once we find the man or the woman of our dreams, that our life will be happy and successful for there on after. So all we do is we seek, we seek, and we seek. And man, we're going to online dating services, we're talking, we're going to every social event, we're smiling, we're whitening our teeth, we're doing everything to prepare ourselves to meet that special person. And that special person responds and we feel filled with love and acceptance. And we walk down that, that aisle and, and we say our vows and then all of a sudden we feel like, whew, I'm glad that that's through. 
But that's just really the beginning of marriage. <laughs> if anybody's been married for any period of time, you know that marriage is not an event, it's a journey. And sometimes it's a long, dry journey, okay? I'm not trying to candy coat anything. But marriage is learning about not only God's love, our love, agape love, sacrificial love. There are so many elements of love that we didn't know about when we were walking down that aisle. We just thought that everything was going to be honky-dory. And usually it's a little bit more dory than it is honky. <laughs> It's the same way when we accept Christ. We think that the moment that we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, that all of our problems are going to disappear. Everyone around us is going to just start singing in harmony and people are going to bring you free sodas just because you're an awesome child of God. You've just opened up spiritual warfare in your life. You truly have. And without spending time in the Word of God, without spending time in worship, without spending time in intercession, you're not going to survive as a Christian because there will be so many attacks on your life. Spending time in the Word is teaching you who you are in Christ. The power and the authority that we have as believers. Because on my own, my physical weakness, I would not accomplish much. But the Word of God says that through Christ I can do all things. There's times I have to remind myself of that. Because sometimes things get so large that I don't think that there is a solution and then God just reminds me with me all things are possible Amen. and man that brings a peace to my heart because what it does is it takes the load off of my shoulders and it puts it on somebody's shoulders that are so broad they span the universe we have to be careful not to give up the children of Israel gave up because they believed the wrong report Remember how 12 spies were sent into the land? But Caleb and Joshua came back and said, we could take that land. But 10 of them said, they're giants. I think the most important thing about that passage right there is who you're surrounding yourself with and what they're saying is going to affect your faith. What if 10 of those spies would have came back and said, we can take that land? And only two of them would have said, I don't know, they were pretty big. It may have swayed the whole congregation to say, let's go do it. Right. Who are we listening to in our lives? Who is pouring into our lives? Are they pouring in words of life or are they pouring in words of doubt and fear, dread, sickness, disease? As Kristen said today, she's very careful about words that are spoken over our children. We never talked about terrible twos. We called them terrific twos. Right. And we had terrific twos all the way through. Some days were a little less terrific, but they were all terrific twos. Is this thing on? <laughs> we're careful about what people speak over our lives, over our children. We speak words of strength. We speak the word of God over them. We pray over them. We've encouraged them in who they are in Christ. That's who we need to surround ourselves with. People who encourage you in Christ. Amen. So that we can accomplish. Because I'll tell you what. You can tell if a dream's from God if it's bigger than you. It's got to be bigger than you. In fact, without God, it wouldn't get accomplished. You really don't even know how you're going to accomplish it right now. And you need people that will say, you can do this. 
Let's get into the word. Let me intercede for you. Let me be praying for you this week. Let me encourage you in what God is speaking to me so that I can share with you in your passage to your dream. Number two, we discover that we're not in charge. In the passage that we just read from Ecclesiastics, verse 8, it says, It's better to be patient than arrogant. Your version might say, It's better to be patient than proud. One of the things that I've learned about arrogant or proud people is that they feel that they always should be in control. Think about your worst manager that you've ever had or teacher. A lot of times, arrogance and that A-type personality just kind of go hand in hand. They feel like they have all the solutions, they have the ways that it should be, and it's their way or the highway. Being arrogant tells us that we have better ways than God. A little story that I came across was that a man's car stalled on the highway. The traffic light changed and his car wouldn't start. And he's trying, he's lifting up the hood, he's trying to get the car started. People are honking all around him. So he walks to the car behind him and he says, I'm so sorry, but my car has stalled and I have tried everything. I've lifted the hood. I've tried this. I have a suggestion. Would you mind going and trying to start my car and I'll sit in your car and I'll just honk. Would that be okay? <laughs> See, we think that just that impatience, that, that honking and continual honking and honking is going to start the car. And it's not. But sometimes in life, we're just standing there, we're yelling at things, and we're yelling at things, and we're honking our horn, and we're getting angry at things that are not going to change just through our anger. Now, I'm not saying you can't honk your horns, okay? But if you just continually honk and honk and honk, it's not going to change that situation. That situation has to change. Instead of honking, come up with a solution. How can we help move this situation? A patient person, to me, is a person who is very still. Now, still does not mean not doing anything. Being still is doing something. You see, a patient person is being still because they know that God is in control. And they know that God is working things together. You know, there used to be an old saying that says, When in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. That doesn't do anything. Okay? And sometimes when things come into our life, that's what we do. We're just running around the dining room table, screaming and shouting, and it's not fixing the situation. But when you know that situations come into your life that are bigger than you are, you get into the Word of God and you start praying. You know, Proverbs says that uh, a, a wise man holds his tongue. A fool is known by his words. Sometimes we might need to say less in a situation until God has spoken to us through that and how we can use wisdom in that instead of just start honking our horn constantly, 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 constantly. It's not going to move that car. God is God. He is sovereign. Patience. You want a definition of patience? Patience is accepting a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. Amen. I'm going to say that one again. Patience is accepting a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. Amen. There's a lot of truth in that statement right there because how many times do we give God deadlines? 
how many times do we say, God, if you don't do this by then, I'm just going to go do that. We're not in control. God is in control. What the impatient person has, what the patient person has that the impatient person does not have, is the patient person knows what action to take. Because they've spent time with God. Amen. They've spent time in the Word. Many people walk away from God because they want to be in control. They want to handle the timelines. They want to handle the seasons of their life. And when they realize that they're not in control and that God is not responding to them like a microwave, they get angry and they turn away from God. They want to be in charge. Point number three is we allow anger to consume us. In verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 7, it says, Don't be quick to get angry because anger is typical of fools. Anger will not allow you to finish what you've started. We have to understand that in life there are delays. There are seasons. There are seasons of God. Sometimes we don't want to go through a season. We can complain about the heat, but guess what? It's still going to be warm for a couple more weeks. Right? Have we ever really found out any time that complaining about the weather here in Texas has actually ever done anything about it? Oh, it's great conversation, and we love to talk about it. We all love to sometimes get angry about it. But does it ever change anything? Maybe we should be spending our time saying, God, help me to adapt. God, help me to understand the things that I cannot change. Give me wisdom and discernment. You can't pray away a season of God. We try to, to pray and to move God to do what we want Him to do when we want Him to do it. You think about Noah, who built an ark. For 120 years, he's building an ark and being ridiculed every day by people who have never seen rain. They didn't understand what a flood is. And yet he was consistent. And he finished the task. Even though there was ridicule. Even though it seemed like that was a long process. Has anybody ever in here done anything for 120 years? No? And yet we complain when God takes a little longer to do something that we're wanting to see done right now. A change in a person. A change in one of our children. A change in our work environment. A change in the weather. Whatever it is we're waiting on. Point number four. We're more interested in living in the past than claiming the future. One. Verse 10 says, Don't ask, why were things better in the old days than they are now? I'm going to tell you that your dreams, your purpose, is not in your past. It's in your future. Okay? And many of us are spending way too much time in the past. Okay? Do you know what the good old days are? Do you, do you know what the good old days are? The good old days are bad memories mixed with a good imagination. Okay? That's the good old days. Well, when I was a kid, everything was a nickel. Yeah, but you, your parents maybe only made a quarter a week. But in the good old days, everybody was friendly. There was still crime back then. In the good old days, I was good looking and handsome and suave and debonair and everybody loved me. Wrong. There was still rejection back then. 
Rejection's not a new thing. Facebook did not invent rejection. Rejection's been around for as long as man has looked at woman. But we mix it in with the good old days. Man, life was good back then. That's when life was good. God has you living right now. Why do you think I start every sermon with, this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be, and be glad. Because you know what? We don't know what the rest of this day holds. But it's an attitude change to say, you know what? I'm not going to complain, and I'm not going to murmur about the past. The past is the past. My dream and my future and my purpose is in my future. Amen. So maybe we ought to get our head out of the back window and start looking out the front window where God wants to take us. Right. And then when we start reading the Bible, we can start applying it to our future. Sometimes people can't look to the future because they can't get over. This is really important. People can't get over the past. They keep replaying a situation. Well, maybe if I'd have done this, then this would have happened. Maybe if I would have said this, this would have happened. Maybe if I would have been more of this, they wouldn't have done that. Those are all traps of the enemy yes. to keep you from your future by keeping you involved in your past. So many times I tell people when I'm talking with them, you're not responsible for other people's actions and words, but you will be 100% accountable for your actions and your words. It's what is flowing out of you. Is what's flowing out of you life or death? Is what is flowing out of you the future or the past? Are you encouraging others or are you discouraging others? I think all of us could give ourselves a little report card. This last week, was I more encouraging or discouraging to people that I came in contact with? And if you're giving yourself a C or below, you really need to get into the Word of God. Listen to what Paul said at the end of his life. In 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul said, I fought a good fight. And I have completed the race. And I have kept the faith. Paul started out a murderer. Paul started out a persecutor of the church. Paul died as an apostle of Christ. Amen. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. We all have things in our past that we wish we could redo. We all wish that things had happened in our past that didn't happen. But they have still formed you in who you are today. If you allow those situations to make you bitter, you need to deal in forgiveness. If you allow those situations to make you stronger in who you are in Christ, then you've been spending time in the Word. How we finish. It doesn't matter how we've started. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you turn your life around, even if today, if you give your life to Christ, just rededicate it, then the question is going to be, how are you going to finish your dream and your purpose? Some people might say, my life, Pastor, has just been one failure after another. My life is ruined. I've wasted it. It's finished. Let me tell you, 
unlike the Pantego Police Department, God allows U-turns. <laughs> Amen. There are no, no U-turn signs in the Bible. And at any moment, He is ready to forgive us, accept us, forgive us, receive us, and give us purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us this. I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have. If you write in your Bible, this is a great place to put your name right there. I know the plans that I have for you, Randy. I know the plans that I have for you, Donnie. Dino. Declares the Lord. There are plans for peace and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. This is what the promises of God are. And when I tell you that you need to get in and, and you need to, to eat those promises so that when storms of life come, you say, wait, God, your word says that you're going to give me a future and a hope. That you're going to give me peace. You are my joy. You are my strength. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. Not one of you was a mistake. Not one of you was an afterthought in God's heart. As I close, let's review what we've learned about reaching for our dreams. If you remember anything, please remember that each person has a dream and a destiny. That God created you to do something better than anyone else. God created you to do something better than anyone else. Not only were you born for a purpose, but your destiny was set up before you even knew about it. You'll also only be truly happy when you're pursuing God's dream and purpose for your life. Everything else will be distractions and detours. Your dream will only make sense when you have given your life to Christ Jesus. We've learned that God wants our dreams and our desires to be fulfilled. Some of us may not really grasp that. God wants your dreams and desires to be fulfilled. Some of us don't feel worthy of our dreams and desires to be fulfilled. I sense that in my spirit. That even as I said that, somebody even said, no, not me. That's a lie from the enemy. Dreaming takes courage to break free from past failures. Being satisfied with your current situation and fears. Here's a good one. The Holy Spirit is your dream partner. You have everything you need to start achieving your dream today. You have everything you need to start achieving your dream today. A daily relationship with Christ will totally revolutionize your life and propel you towards your dream. We are wonderful, beautiful creations. We are God's workmanship created for good works through Him. 
how many of us feel that we are actually walking in the purpose and calling and dreams of our lives? And how many feel that we're just occupying this life and we try to fill it with things that are going to make us happy or things that are just going to sustain us? Or maybe sometimes you feel like just in life, I just want to get through this season. Why are we wasting seasons of our lives when there's so much out there that needs to be done? I wish we could sense the potential that was in this room. I wish we could see ourselves through God's eyes where he doesn't see our failures and our mistakes, but he sees the potential in our lives, regardless of our age. I wish that there was a God mirror that you could just go in and look at yourself and see that beautiful creation that God sees you as. But through faith, we have to press forward. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I've talked about several things today, but all of them hinge on a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of it revolves in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In my own, I can do nothing, but with Christ, I can do everything. On my own, I'm limited, but with God, all things are possible. On my own, my words will fail, but God's word never fails. Our relationship with Christ has to be more than a Sunday morning relationship. It has to be with us throughout the difficult times and the good times. Have you ever just laughed with God? I've laughed with God because I think sometimes I make him laugh. I even catch myself saying and doing some dumb things and I'll say, you know what, God, yeah, I know. And we have a laugh about it. Or at least I laugh at myself. But it shows my dependence on him even in the good times and not just in the bad times. If you're going through a season of God's greatness and there's no immediate needs, intercede for others. Pray. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for the body of Christ. Pray for our president. Pray for our Supreme Court. Pray for our soldiers. Pray for those men and women who serve us daily through police, fire, paramedics. Pray for our schools. That some deranged gunman would not bring evil into those innocent little lives. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Walk with God each day. Take him into your workplace. Take him into your school. As many of the districts are starting tomorrow, Take God into that hallway. Take him into your workplace. Even if it's a horrible, horrific workplace, you're still light and you're still salt. But it all comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess 
Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. Sometimes we just need to have a clean slate. Just say, God, I am sorry for the things that I've done, the words that I've spoken. Help me to encourage those that are around me. Help me to be a dream builder in people's lives and a dream destroyer. See, there's a lot of dream destroyers out there. There's a lot of people who tell you why you won't accomplish much in your life. Get with people who will build you up and tell you who you are in Christ and how you can accomplish those things. You've got a pastor and a wife that loves you and prays for you dearly, encourages you in the Word of God. Take that and at least encourage other people. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you all would stand, please. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We love you.